Well, uh, before I uh, open up, uh, what does the Spirit do this morning? Um, I asked uh, Rachel Malson to to come and share her story. Rachel's family's been a part of the church for quite a while, and Rachel joined us a couple years ago, actually, during COVID, and she's going to come and just share her story of how God got a hold of her, how God's amazing grace wooed her to himself. So Rachel, if you guys welcome Rachel to come and share her story. morning y'all all right so this is the first time I'm doing this so if I stumble I apologize um, although I was raised in a religious home and attended Catholic schooling for both elementary and high school it wasn't until fall 2020 COVID uh, alpha age of 42 that I found myself as a newbie Christian this is where I gave my life to Christ my initial alpha invite came in 2003 from my mom Curious, I said yes. I attended one week with my husband at that time. My oldest son, Mason, had got an ear infection for week two, so I wasn't able to attend. Um, I allowed my husband at that time and my other family members to influence um, me to not return for the additional weeks of that alpha session. Uh, in hindsight, I view that as one of the biggest missed opportunities in my life, um, but I also believe that a seed was planted during that time. Fast forward four years, my husband and I separate and divorce. Co-domiciliary custody, custody leaves me with only having my three children, ages five and under, um, half, half of the week. So um, heartbreaking, heartbroken, instead of taking up my mom on the support that Lakeview could provide during those trying times, I turned to others for comfort. Um, my des desires of my heart were evil and I ended up in a sinful relationship for eight more years um, several more invites came from my mom. Um, sorry. Um, and so she kept getting the response from me that, you know, that worked for you. It's not for me. Again, being deterred by my partner at that time. An eventual breakup gave me a few more years of my own raising teenagers at this point. Um, again, tempted by my internal desires, I started dating again. This guy appeared to be a good guy down on his luck, father of, 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 you know, three, four kids, didn't have a lot of, you know, dealings with his children, um, blinded by my empathy to help him and his family situation, I neglected my own. My middle son, Gavin, refused to live in my house with him at that man there. Surprisingly, that wasn't enough to stop me from dating and eventually marrying this man. Several months into our marriage, um, my husband was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. We were struggling daily, seeking medical help and not making much progress. I finally opened up to my mom about the abuse in the relationship and she invited me to attend the fall 2020 Alpha. My immediate response was yes, uh, fully thinking that Alpha was for him, realizing later that Alpha was for me. Um, God used trauma in my life to, to realize that I was broken and awakened me to seek him. 
Growing up, I played sports. Um, I prided myself in being tough and strong-willed. I had that pick-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps mentality. I always had been someone that loved being in control, driving the boat, um, sorry, taking control from others if they didn't decide quickly enough. Uh, as an engineer, I'm a natural fixer. These things drove me through my daily life. After saying I do to Jesus, all of that changed. I wanted to be dependent on him. I have fully surrendered to him. When deciding on something, I pause, I pray, I listen to hear what God has to tell me. Regarding control, I find myself laying things at his feet, picking them up again, and laying them back down on a regular basis. All things are better in his hands, much better than my own. I am a work in progress, but I am released of all the guilt and the shame that I carried for so long, specifically dealing with my kids and not taking that lifeline my mom extended many times for the previous Alpha invites. Like my dad, I show love through service to others. Now when I serve, I get the added enjoyment that I am honoring God. I do my best to remain humble with all aspects of my life. My athletic skills were a, a gift from him, and now I use that to teach girls, not only focusing on bringing volleyball skills, but reflecting Christian values to them. My successful career is another gift from him. I view all my donations to righteous causes of spending with as, as his resources. I strive to be the light for my coworkers dealing with life issues. I desperately pray for confidence to tell them what Jesus has done for, for me. So many of these statements, so many of the statements I've heard a thousand times in my lifetime took on a different meaning after Alpha. I gained a true understanding of why Christ died for us to receive salvation because there was no other means to gain it. I realize that I've been given a gift of the Holy Spirit to help me through my daily encounters. My spiritual eyes have been opened, and all in God's perfect timing. Although I'm still the same personality, my character traits have shifted. My desires changed. My choice of words, music, movies, activities, all have changed. I long to discover his purpose for my life. I am far from perfect, but God loves me right where I am. I love the LCC and the family that Christ has provided me. I attend ministries it, it offers frequently as I can, always growing in my faith. I listen to numerous pastors and podcasts that support the same biblical beliefs regarding our Savior. For someone who never enjoyed reading, I desire reading and know the, knowing the scripture. Words can't express the appreciation I feel when people I meet at LCC tell me they prayed for me during that 17-year gap between Alpha sessions when I was lost in Adam. I look forward to continuing my relationship with the Father and never being satisfied and always seeking more. Thank you all. Not fair. Can we take a break? <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel. We did. We prayed for you for all those years. So grateful. Okay, so that's what the Holy Spirit does. All right, let's start session 10. Um, no, um, but that's what he does. <laughs> that's what he does. I, I love so many parts of what Rachel shared. She is Rachel with the Holy Spirit in her. Uh, I love that she told us that, that, that her motivations are now, she still goes to work. With a very hugely important job as a 
engineer at the Corps of Engineers, particularly now, as we could all be drinking salt water soon. But she assured me that won't be happening. So pray for her <laughs> that she and her team have godly wisdom to protect us from that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm just going to sniff here for the rest of the morning. I hope not. Um, well, as, as we have discussed, <clears throat> if the Bible is true, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true because he died. He was crucified and raised. And he promised that he would send us the Holy Spirit and that this new life that we receive by being born again of the Spirit empowers us to do three things. I, I love this just little statement from uh, Ken Boa, a uh, great Bible teacher and author. He said that the Spirit of God empowers us to love God completely, to love others compassionately, and to love ourselves correctly. See, and all of that stems, the, the loving ourselves correctly and loving others passionately really stems out of having a correct understanding and love for God. Because if I understand how much I've been loved and that I'm totally, completely, forever forgiven and accepted, and that's the work of God's Holy Spirit, I can then, I, I will then love myself correctly. The things of the past that have beset me, the things I've thought about myself poorly, uh, you know, the numbers of times we've denigrated ourselves, uh, all that gets wiped out as the Spirit of God comes and we get off the performance treadmill and we understand it's only Jesus' performance and the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives us to realize that I am accepted based on the work of Jesus Christ. I am loved because of the work of Jesus Christ. And therefore now, as often as I fail, as often as I don't get it right, as often as I may be self-centered, I still stand before God blameless and with great joy because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that should just change the way we go about doing everything we do. I think Rachel has said that in just being an engineer, she, she wants to be even a greater engineer for the glory of God. She wants to do what she does so that God looks good. Not that Rachel get, looks good. God gets promoted. Not that Rachel gets promoted. Though Rachel does get promoted. As, as, as uh, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they, and women that, that people see your good works. These, this work of God in you and it gives glory to God. That's the work of God's Holy Spirit in us. So as we love God completely, we then begin to love ourselves correctly. And as a result of that, we can love others compassionately. We don't just judge people when they cut us off in traffic. We begin to wonder about, wonder what kind of day that guy's had. Wonder what's going on with him or her. We begin to pray for them instead of praying on them. Um, and that's what happens. The more we learn of him, the more we learn how much he loves us in spite of us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, so here's what he does. If, if just open up your booklet there. But you know, the most, the most important, the most vital work of the Holy Spirit is to birth us into Christ for us to deliver us out of Adam, out of death, and into Christ. That's 
what he does. And Jesus said that the Spirit, when he comes, he will give us life. And this is what he is. He is Jesus, as I mentioned on on, uh, Tuesday night, he is God's, the Holy Spirit is God's real estate agent. He shows us our real estate before God. He shows us that we are still in Adam. We're in our sins. There's nothing you and I can do apart from God that commends us to him. The best we can do is still in Adam, is still separate from him. We need the life of Christ given to us by the Holy Spirit to be made new. So he's God's real estate agent. He is God's activator. I wrote here in Paul's letter, uh, wrote down Paul's letter to the, uh, the Corinthians in the first verse, the 30th, first chapter, pardon me, the 30th verse. It is by his doing that you are in Christ Jesus. It is by his doing. God is the one who is initiated. God is the one who activates. God is the one who gives life from death. He is the one that does that. So he is the person that activates it. He brings to life that which is dead. And then thirdly, he is God's life giver. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And so this is what we see here. It is the spirit. Now understand this. You and I can't give ourselves lives because dead people can't resurrect themselves. Okay? It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh, that is we ourselves, are of no help at all. And Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So... The Spirit is the one who gives us life because he is the one, when he comes, Jesus said, he will convict the world, that is those in Adam, concerning sin, concerning righteousness, concerning judgment. That that what he convicted me of was that, Frank, you're just sinful. You are unrighteous and there's a judgment to come for you in Adam that will will render you, um, pardon me, that will render you separated from God forever. The Spirit of God did that. I didn't just talk myself into that. Going to a church service didn't do that for me. That's something that God did. The Holy Spirit does that. And again, as we, as we hear this thing, hear this. This is the active initiation of God, the Holy Spirit, reaching into our lives so that you and I don't have to spend eternity apart from him. The lion does not have to be forever tormenting. And then even in this world where we will have tribulation, the Spirit of God comes to give us life and peace even in the midst of our challenges, our many challenges in this world. So what I I wrote here in the book is that Jesus is confirming in these statements that there is nothing anyone can do to make themselves acceptable to God and and suitable for heaven. He mic drops with this statement, the flesh is of no help at all. You cannot save yourself. That's what I was trying to do for as long as I knew about God. I was trying to get God to accept me based on my own efforts. And it's what each and every one of us does. Attempting to 
buy off God with our goodness. Okay. The flesh is of no help at all. The spirit is the one who gives life. That should make us want to know all the more what it means to experience the Holy Spirit. And so most essential for you and me are these things that he does. What does he do? He warns us about our true condition before God. He woos us to turn from our sins and our shame and to turn to him. And then three, he wins us to accept the life of forgiveness and unconditional acceptance found in and offered only by Jesus Christ. And this is something I attribute to Pastor Peter Davidson because he has a way with alliteration. And, and this is so, so what does he do? First, he warns us. Then, once he's warned us, he woos us, he draws us, and then he wins us. Okay, sounds like a dating relationship, doesn't it? But, I'm not sure about the warning part. You better go out with me or. Now that, but that's not probably not, not it. But, you know, there's lots of warnings. You know, we get lots of, I mean, how many more warnings are there, warning labels are there in life now? I mean, there's warning labels everywhere. You just can't. You can't even buy a cup without there being a water, you know, if, if there's coffee in it, you know, warning, contents may be hot. I mean, that's just, that's why I bought it. That's what it's, so, but, but just lots of things like that. Like, here's a stroller. This is actually, this is large. Remove child before folding. I mean, like, I mean, they actually have to put this on here. Here, here here's another one's good. Warning, never use a lit match or open flame to check fuel level. I mean, why would you have to? I, I'm not sure. Um, oh, here, do not iron while wearing shirt. Okay, just who has ever done that? I actually did that once, but it was... It was uh, <laughs> um, pepper spray may irritate eyes. I mean, that's why you have it. Um, ah, oh, I had to get this one. Not intended for highway use. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Just. Now, if you're in Christ, in the wheelbarrow, it is intended for use everywhere. Planes, water boats, anything. Um, so that, but, I mean, you guys may remember this. Um, April 15th, 1912. I don't know if you know this, but many warning signs went out to the Titanic. You, there are icebergs ahead of you and not one of those messages made it to the bridge. And the result, a lot of people died. I mean, can there be a more important warning than death is imminent? Death is ahead. And that's what the Apostle Paul writes. I mean, this this former Saul, this Saul of Tarsus, this hater of Christians who did what he could to try to snuff out completely faith in Christ becomes the most ardent follower of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He says, without Christ, and this is taken from the, se the second chapter, and I've just kind of put it together. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're in Adam. We are following the course of this world, which leads to eternal destruction. 
We are following the prince of the power of the air. In other words, we talked about this in week six. How can I resist evil? What is the work of Satan in our lives? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. It's all he does. As I said, 365, 24-7. Following the spirit that without Christ we are, whether you know this or not, whether I knew it or not, this is what Paul says by the Holy Spirit. You are following, Frank Loria, the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Even in your meology, even when you go to church trying to make deals with God to check the box so that he'll return to you the favor you gave him by showing up in his house. We're going to talk about that Tuesday night, about what the church actually is and what we think the church is. Um, Number four, living in the passions of our own flesh. You know, Rachel talked about that. Like, it, what I wanted was more important than what God wanted. How many, and there's not a person drawing breath in this room that hasn't lived that way. And then by nature, by nature, right, because we're born with an Adamic DNA. We're born with a fallen DNA. We're born spiritually separated from God because we inherit that from our father Adam, by nature, we're children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. There's not a soul that ever drew breath that was not of Adam's kin, except Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus Christ is not born of Joseph. You understand that, don't you? It's not just some trick that God pulled off. So, well, why don't we just have him born of a virgin? Let's do something a little different. No, if he's born into Adam's lineage, Jesus is born into the lineage of sin and separation from God. So he could not be born of Adam. He could not. And then we just see Paul just kind of pours on here. This The wages of sin is death. It's what you and I earn. It's what we receive as a result of how we live. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So not only are we born into Adam... Our works, our mental, our thoughts corroborate that. I can, you know, oh, you must be one of Adam's kin because I can see how you live. So sins, enumerated sins, are the evidence that I'm born into sin. Do you see what I'm saying? So sin is the nature. Sins are the evidences of the nature. Now we're going to talk about that. Well, wait, I've gotten the wheelbarrow, but I still sin. That's a great question. We're going to talk about that before the morning is out. So the wages of sin is death. All have sinned. All are come short of that which is acceptable to God. There's not one righteous, not even one. All of us. And so I'm, I'm bringing these up to us again because I want us to see the Holy Spirit makes all this like, yep, that's me. Not yep, that's you. Like Rachel said, yeah, I, I needed my husband to come because he needed Christ. Can I tell you? Yes, I, I'm about to do that. I can't tell you. How many wives have said, I just couldn't wait to get my husband here because he needed to hear this. And then they found out, yeah, he did, but I did too. And so God is kind of sneaky like that. He just kind of does that thing. Uh, he does that. So, so all of this, did the, how, did, how did Saul of Tarsus, how did the hater of Jesus Christ, the number one hater, one of the number one haters, maybe there were several number one haters, of Jesus 
come to become the number one follower, one of the number one followers of Jesus. How did that? The Holy Spirit had to show him, Saul, you are persecuting me. Saul, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Holy Spirit did that. Just like, now think about this, the same Holy Spirit that opened the eyes of Saul of Tarsus, who hated, murdered, persecuted, imprisoned followers of Jesus Christ. This is the same guy. And the same Holy Spirit that convicted him, guess what? Is the same Holy Spirit that works in each and every one of us. That's pretty amazing. But that's what he does. And then, of course, here's what Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember, spirit gives birth to spirit. The spirit takes us out of Adam. And understand, I hope you guys, I've, I've said this, and I hope you understand that this, when you are taken out of Adam and you say, yes, Lord, I do. I receive the gift. I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. You do know that has nothing to do with what denomination you were attracted to or the denomination that you're a part of. You do know that, don't you? you, you there will be no denominations in heaven. I, I hope we all know that. It's it just so important to know that. This is not about what, what the sign on the front of the building that you attend is. That has nothing to do with anything. You'll not see one word of that in here. Okay, John the Baptist, but again, I told you that he wasn't a Baptist. He just baptized. Okay, so, so unless one is born again as a Methodist, as one is born again as a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a, an agnostic or an atheist, it doesn't matter. That means nothing. We just need to hear that because so many of us cling to our denomination so tightly, so culturally, so familiarly. That we don't let the Holy Spirit work to release us from that thinking. Well, am I being true to my denomination if I do that? Well, okay, here's, here's the better question. True to your denomination or true to the God who created you and came to save you? Preference? It has nothing to do with that. Please hear that. So he, he warns us of all these things. That's what he, So first he warns us. Then he, then he woos us. I mean... <laughs> You know, in, in today's world, I mean, somebody's trying to sell us something all the time, right? I mean, can you, can you, if you turn on the TV set, you can hold your breath and not worry about suffocating or dying before another prescription medication commercial comes on, right? I mean, so, but he, he comes, and of course, they're coming to warn us. Um, and of course, the, the side effects. Do you notice the side effects of the commercial take longer to tell you than the actual benefit of the drug? But I mean, who isn't trying to woo us to buy something? I'll, I'll tell you this story. Um, so uh, table um, six last, no, one, two, three, four, five, five, I think we're table six last time. And we had this gal if you're watching, you know I love you. This is not to be critical. Um, she was so pregnant. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she, I mean, you're just pregnant when you just found out you're pregnant as you are when you're about to pop. But she's so ready to give birth. And she came to Alpha like this. Matter of fact, my facial expression is too pleasant. <laughs> I don't think she smiled. Um, but she was here. And she was here to support her husband. <clears throat> and the first week of Alpha, you know me, say, look, there's no hooks. 
You know, we're not trying to get you to change your church, change your denomination. We're not trying to get in your pocket. We just are just grateful you're here. Enjoy a meal with us. At least find out what the Bible says, whether you believe any of this or not. That's between you and God if you, well, if you believe he is or isn't, he is, but maybe you don't believe. So week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. She was different. She was smiling. Terribly uncomfortable, but still smiling. And so we, I asked the question. I said, okay, would you guys just tell me one thing you got out of this, out of, out of Alpha? And so we went around and people were talking about in Adam, in Christ, you know, all, all this other stuff, the I do, all those things. And she said, There were no hooks. I kept waiting for the hook. I did not believe you. And there have been no hooks. And so it's like, <laughs> I, I said, I don't think I've ever been so excited to hear something. That to know that we're just telling you about this guy my life was going to hell and he came and tapped me on the heart and he told me I could have new life and be free forever. Um, and not trying to sell Lakeview Christian Center, not trying to sell anything, uh, but just tell people about him. And so um, God was wooing her. She was a little harder, harder sell, but God was wooing her. And, uh, but this is a different kind of wooing. This is a wooing where you're not buying anything. Actually, you're surrendering everything. You're surrendering everything because Jesus really did pay it all, all to him. We owe. And so, and so, you know, you just, we see this scripture here for our sake. Do you hear that? Coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for your sake, Grace, for your sake, Justin, for your sake, BJ, for your sake, God made him who had no sin to be, be sin for us. And just put yourself right in there so that in him, in him, no longer in Adam, we might become the right. Do you see this? The righteousness of God. Now that should stagger us. The righteousness of God? Yes, because when you come into Christ, whose righteousness does God see? He sees Christ's righteousness. And who does he see in Christ? You and me. And does God ever see you or me any other way? but in Christ, the righteousness of God, the son. Why did he do that? For your sake, Ian, for your sake, for your sake, Jack, Chris, he did that for you. That's, and the Holy spirit comes to make that alive for your sake. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you. That if you'd believe in him, but that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. We said, I do, receive the gift. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It's what he does. And, and then this is what it says he does. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. That's what I would, I think easily you wouldn't disagree with that. He's been doing that through all these weeks. And even before that, I'm not by any means saying, you know, God wasn't really paying any attention to you till you, till you finally came to Alpha. I'm not saying that at all. I, I think I said last week, there have been all these areas in your life that God has been working to bring you to where you are on October 7th. He's been doing all of that. And I'm, your story is awesome. Rachel could spend the rest of the day telling us of all those steps, all the things that took place in her life, all the things that happened in her family. Uh, the Maltzon family story is just off the charts amazing how God worked in her. I've, okay, I can't, I can't help but tell you this story. So Rachel's sister, uh, Jennifer, um, so I, I'm sitting in my office, must be around the year 2000. Is she still at UNO in 2000? Yeah. Now she's doing some marketing calls for UNO. And so I'm, I picked up the phone. I talked to this girl, Jennifer Maltzon. We talked a little bit about UNO and everything else. And I hung up the phone with her. And it was a nice, pleasant conversation. That night, I'm having an alpha-like meeting in my house. Who walks through the door? Did I invite her? No. Had I ever met her before? No. But on the day of that meeting, and guess what Jennifer Maltzon did that night? She got in the wheelbarrow. She surrendered her life to Christ. And then when her dad, when, when Jennifer and Rachel's dad had an accident, um, invited them to Alpha. And mom and dad came to Alpha. I don't remember if the brothers came that time. And guess what mom and dad did? Yeah. And then the brothers. And then eventually the prodigal daughter. I'm sorry, Rich. <laughs> She's right. Um, but just, I, I just, how am I talking to this girl on during that morning and she shows up in my house on that evening? I don't have enough faith to believe that's just an accident. This is what the Holy Spirit does in ways in which are grander than you and I can even begin to imagine. It's what he does to, to woo us. And, and I think even these love stories, if you will, gosh, and I think of Daisy's mom and dad. Uh, I, I think of these two, Lauren and, and, uh, Lloyd and, and Liz. And, oh gosh, they're just, <laughs> I'm never gonna get finished if I do this, but keep doing this. But they're God's love stories to bring us to himself deeply he loves us so even as i hear those love stories my faith is built but there was a love story that i had that god used to bring me to himself as well as he warned me and wooed me and then it's one thing to be warned and wooed it's another thing though to be one you see in your in your booklet here i, I put this little quote i think god initiated by the Holy Spirit, God initiated the rescue mission. Let's see if I can find my spot in my booklet here. So unused to opening to this. Um, God initiated, page six, middle of the page. God initiated the rescue mission to redeem each of us to himself. I, I hear this. And if not for his intervention, 
you and I would continue running to the edge of the cliff, finally jumping off into the arms of Satan's everlasting dominion of death. But he wins us. And here's how the Apostle Paul in the other half of Ephesians tells us he wins us. Born again in Christ, we receive and experience God. We ex- receive and experience God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were in Adam, dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians. I don't know why I don't have the scripture there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, 4 through 7, I believe. Isn't that great? Why, why did God do it? He's rich in mercy. Because of the great love with, he, which, with which he loved us. I mean, put your name in there. God being rich in mercy because of the great love he has for you. Even when we, the Bible says we were his enemies, made us alive together in Christ. Raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places. So that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. And then in Titus... Look at this. I love this scripture. He saved us. He did that. Meology does not save me. My efforts do not save me. My sincerity does not save me. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, in our own self-righteousness, which is not righteousness at all, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and Renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know what this renewal means, huh? New life, being born again, being taken out of this dead life and placed into Christ's life. That is what he does. So top of page seven here, this thing called circular reasoning. You'll understand that in a minute. Jesus' work on the cross, activated by the Holy Spirit, is completed in our human spirits continues in our human souls and is expressed through our human bodies. So I want, because a a, a lot of the, maybe you've wondered this yourself. Um, Okay, I I got in the wheelbarrow. I said I do. I received the gift, uh, but I'm still sinning. You ever wonder about that? Like, why am I not just perfect? Christ is perfect. I'm in Christ. Why am I not perfect? Well, there's still a work that God is doing. Like I've mentioned to you in the past, my three kids are perfectly Annette's and my three kids, but they are not our perfect three kids. They are not perfect, but they are perfectly theirs. And so when we're in Christ, we become perfectly Christ. In the spirit, we could not be any more Christ or we could not be any more perfect, but there is still this work that's taking place in us as we are being transformed, as God didn't just make robots out of us. 
When the moment I got into the wheelbarrow, said I do receive the gift, I did not become a robot. I did not become a Christian zombie. I was born again, and God filled me with faith to live. And he changed my desires and my want-tos. And from there, I started out on a stumbling life of God changing me. And if, you've, if you're in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Now, here's what, here's what Paul said to the church in Philippi. He said, I'm sure of this, those of you who are in Christ, that he, that would be God, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Does it look, sound like it's totally finished there yet? No, he who began a good work in you will finish it to the day of Christ Jesus. Here's another statement from Paul to the church of Philippi. He said, now here's the apostle Paul. Not that I've already obtained this. He's talking about perfection or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own maturity, perfection, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider myself, pardon me, I do not consider that I have made it my own, that is perfection, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's this continuing work that takes place in each and every one of us, this maturing work, this transforming work. And we do that with Christ in us and the spirit of God directing us. And then here, Paul writing to the Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Okay, what's the appeal? What's the basis of the appeal? The mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed any longer to life in Adam, but be transformed. How? How? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what God has done in the spirit, that which is born of the spirit, remember John 3, 6, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of Baroni is Baroni. That which is born of Vogel is Vogel. That which is born of Cali is Cali. That's just the way it is. But there is this process of maturing once being born. So I want you to, if you would, just turn to page Eight, we'll turn back to uh, seven in a, in a moment or two. But do you see this, this, this here, which means absolutely nothing to you as it is. But if you want, you've got a, you have a Lakeview pen, if there are any of them still available. Um, this is going to become a viral joke at Lakeview. Um, so let's just take a look at this. Uh, Mike, if I step on this side of the screen, is that okay? Am I still on the screen? Am I, I'm off the screen? I'm on the screen. Okay. So um, uh, I don't want to get in your way. I, I can go back. So, so let me just... So, okay. So we are composed of... We're not shaped this way, but body, uh, soul, and spirit. Now, some, some would argue theologically that we're just... We're, we're, we're spirit and soul combined in body, but for the sake of this illustration, I think this is, I think this is helpful. Now, 
So our spirit relates to God, okay? If you want to write that in your book, you can. You don't have to. Um, so our spirit relates to God. Our soul relates to others. Our mind, our will, our emotions, what we think, what we choose to do, how we feel. Um, our body, well, it kind of relates to our environment, right? And, but uh, in Adam... Our spirit is dead. And so our God really is the world. We're affected by the world. Okay? Do you see that? Can everybody see that? It's up on the screen. Pretty good. All right. So God, spirit relates to God. Soul relates to others. Not that we don't have a mind, will, and emotion to relate to God. I'm not saying that. And then our body relates to environment and how we respond to what's taking place inside of here. So let me just... So our soul, mind, our, which we think with, our will, which we choose with, our emotions in which we feel with, okay? So the world comes in to affect us. And God says, don't be conformed to the way the world thinks anymore. Don't let the world tell you what is right, what is wrong. Don't let the world tell you who God is, what you should be bowing to. So as when we come to Christ, now that Christ, God is in us by the Holy Spirit, he begins to work from our spirit into and changing the way we think, choose, and feel. He begins, that completed work of the spirit in our spirit, he begins to change the way we think choose and feel the more we submit ourselves to him now look that doesn't just happen automatically okay the word of god empowered by the holy spirit our prayer lives our fellowship with others these are all the things that work in our spirit to cause us to push against this <laughs> To push against the saltwater intrusion of the Mississippi River. To push against the works of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the more you and I are strengthened in our spirit by God's word, by fellowship, by prayer, the more we are transformed and our minds are renewed and, and our thoughts of the world are dispelled. We push them away. For the truth. And so the spirit begins to work outside of me now. And then the way I think and choose and feel changes. And then I begin to express that by where I put my body and where I don't put my body and the things that I say and the things that I don't say. That's all the work of God's indwelling spirit. That is all the work of the spirit of God in me. And so now. In my spirit, this is in three different things here that I want you to grab. It is finished. There is nothing more that needs to be done for you and me to have a place procured in God's presence forever. Beginning the moment you said yes to him. Okay, eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Physically. Eternal life begins the moment you die to your life in Adam. Because the life that you and I receive is the life 
of the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. When does that begin? Bam. Okay, this little anatomy class right now. When, when egg meets sperm, bam, life is there. Everything that's going to determine who you are, height, eye color, the way your ears are going to be shaped, everything about you is right there. So when Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, immediately and forever, eternally alive, completely. I mean, just think, there's a scripture in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, that says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. You're familiar with that scripture? Even if you're not, that is what it says. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Who is in him? Do you, do you see yourself right there? God is light. Christ is the light of the world. Christ is the light. And in him, and who is in him? Those who are in Christ. No darkness at all. At all. Um, that's pretty amazing. So, it is finished. Have been saved. It's a done deal. Uh, next week, I have the joy, the privilege of, of preaching on Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this and the work of the high priest of God um, in Hebrews chapter 5. I hope. Please pray for me. <laughs> okay. So, but in my soul, in my soul, it is being finished. Do you remember some of those scriptures I brought to you before? Paul's praying that he who began a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Christ. So, in my mind, I am being transformed. My will, I'm being transformed. My emotions, I'm being transformed. Okay? It is being finished. Do you see that? Just shake your head just for a moment one way or the other so I have an idea. Okay? So, totally done. Completely finished. Nothing more to be accomplished in the spirit. But as I'm still living in the dash... There is a growing faith work that God is doing in the midst of the circumstances that I go through. Whether they're physical maladies, whether they're relational issues, whatever, work, you whatever it is in this world where we have tribulation. It is being finished. We are being saved. We are being perfected. We are being matured. Okay? So, done, being done. And for our bodies, well, we're just going to have to wait. Okay? Gravity will continue to work. Um, it will be finished. We're going to get a new body, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, pardon me, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It will be, we're going to put off this tent, is what Paul says. He calls our earthly body a tent. And then we're going to put on a building. You know, firm in the heavens. And so, our bodies will still suffer and die. They are still, to a degree, our minds, wills, and emotions, and our bodies still under Adam's curse. But not our spirit. Not our spirit. And one day, all of this will be fully and completely saved. That is what the work of God's spirit does in us. So for those of you 
watching those of you here thinking, well, I just can't live up to it. I can't make this decision for Christ because I can't live up to it. Okay, you are absolutely correct. I applaud you. You are correct. And you never will. And you don't come to Christ trying to live up to it, to prove that you were worthy of him saving you. You come to Christ because you realize there's nothing worthy of being saved and that there's nothing you and I can do to deserve this grace. That's what Steve sang, biblical song. His amazing grace is perfectly free. Well, if it's perfectly free, what do you and I donate to the perfect free alliance? Zip. Nothing. But the hardest thing for you and me is to believe that there's nothing we actually have in us that wouldn't be worthy of a contribution. But it's not until then when we realize Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He has done it all. That's where total freedom is. And then you realize that there is no greater responsibility than total freedom. There is no greater. Because when I see what God has done for me, I can't help but let others know. Let me tell you, if you find a cure for cancer, what are you going to do? Just don't bother telling anyone. This is better. This is better than a cure for cancer. This is a cure for physical life that eventually dies. It's his life that he gives us. So, I mean, the question is this, where are you? Where are you? Where are you here? Have, have you been born again? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you said yes to his offer of eternal life? If not, why not? What could possibly be a better offer than Jesus? There is none. There's nothing this world can give us. That's good, that everything the world gives us has an expiration date. When you expire, that expires. Hugh Hefner left everything. Okay. Stephen Jobs left everything everything you take nothing with you on the other side of the dash into the line except this you and adam you and christ jesus's mercy has come to save us what will you do with that now maybe you've already maybe you've already responded and this morning if you were to pray, it would be, God, I just, want to, I just want to know you more. But maybe you have not this morning. You're here this morning, and this is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So I'd like us to do this. I'd just like us to just bow our heads, pray for a moment. Um, and I just want to ask you, maybe if you were here this morning... And you have, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and come to the front or anything like this. 
But here's your opportunity to say, I do. Here's your opportunity to receive the gift based on God's promise of taking you to the finish line, not yours. So if this morning, if you have not yet said yes to Jesus, if you've not said I do to him, um, I just want you to do this. Would you just, between you and God, would you just raise your hand for a minute and say, yeah, I want to receive Jesus Christ this morning. I want him to be my Savior and Lord. I want no longer to be in Adam's race. I want to be Christ's. Okay. Okay, I see your hand. Thank you. Okay, well, there's a couple of hands raised. And what I like to do is this. Um, Anyone else want to raise their hand? Just say, you've never said yes to Jesus. Today's the day. October 7th is the day. Um, Would you just just raise your hand just one more time? Because I want to ask somebody to come and pray with you. Um, um, Okay, thank you, Ian. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you want Christ. You know you've not said yes yet. I just want, before this day is out, would you just take that opportunity to say yes to him? This greatest offer ever.